Our study of Hebrews chapter 10 continues. Thank you for joining us here on the Radio Bible Course. The writer has been saying some wonderful things for the Christian, especially the Hebrew Christian, who knew all about the priests and the sacrifices which were continually offered in the Old Testament, but which could never clear his conscience. He compares those with what Christ accomplished. One sacrifice took care of all sin for all men for all time, and then he tells us that Christ sat down, and he sat down in the presence of God. His work was done. Unlike the priest of the Old Testament, Jesus Christ could sit down. He said on the cross, It is finished. Everything necessary to save everybody for all time was completed. The priest of the Old Testament could never say, It is finished. He said, Instead, tomorrow we do the same thing. And a hundred years from then, he did the same thing, and his successors continued it year after year. There was no forgiveness by the blood of animals, but the blood of the Son of God, which Peter calls the precious blood of Christ, takes away sin. It didn't cover it. In the Old Testament, God told the people of Israel that the sacrificed animal's blood would make atonement for their sin. That meant a covering. Did Christ's blood cover our sins? No, it did something far better. It removed our sins, and it even removed our future sins. We will never be charged for sins of the future. Oh, that's a new teaching to some people. But Paul wrote it to the Romans. Listen to it in Romans chapter 4. After talking about how Abraham was saved by faith alone in Romans chapter 4, Paul writes about David, beginning with verse 6. Just as David also speaks of the blessing upon the man to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works, and he quotes from Psalm 32, 1 and 2. Here it is. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. One of the other translations says, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not charge sin. Not to be charged with sin that we commit? Well, that's wonderful. That's almost incredible. But that's what God wants us to believe. That tells you how effective the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was in solving the sin problem. Now, I know some people say, that's too much for me. I can't handle that. I can't believe that. That would give you license for sin to know that you won't be charged for future sin. Friends, that's not license. That's freedom. That's something to rejoice in. I know there are some people who don't want the gospel to be too good. And this does sound too good. And it bothers some preachers. They don't want to tell you the full truth about what Christ accomplished because they're afraid you might take advantage of it. A true believer won't. The problem is we have many people in our churches who are not believers. They are cultural Christians. 
Their parents took them to church and to Sunday school, and they thought, since they became members of the church, that they too are Christians. Not many have personally believed in Jesus Christ to save them from their sins. And you can determine that by asking them what they are depending upon to get them to heaven. You will be surprised at their answers, but ask people, why do you think God should let you into heaven? Now, David believed in the forgiveness of future sins. That's why he wrote 1,000 years before Jesus Christ was born that God would not charge the man who believed with sin. Christ had not yet died, and yet men of the Old Testament were told to believe in that coming Savior who would solve the sin problem forever. The animal sacrifices were only a type of that which would be real and which would finally solve the sin problem. Listen to Hebrews 9.28, which we discussed last week. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Why won't he deal with sin when he comes? Because he made a sacrifice for future sins. And future sins have been dealt with. They have been forgiven. Now, if this doesn't make you happy, you have a problem, and your problem is faith. You perhaps can't believe what is written here by the Spirit of God. Let John help you with your faith. He wrote in 1 John 5.11, and this is the record, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. In this 20th century, you can believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins which will be committed in the 21st century and forever after. This is the Jesus who lived and died and rose again and sits at God's side in the place of full authority and honor, waiting. Waiting for what? Waiting for the subjugation of all his enemies. Now that comes from Psalm 110, verse 1. We read, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a stool for your feet. And this is consistent with what is written by Luke in chapter 1, verse 32. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll rule over the house of Jacob, and of his kingdom there will be no end. The house of Jacob turned out to be his enemies. His own people received him not. They crucified him and said, We will not have this man to rule over us. But God has determined that he will rule over those people. That's in the plan of God. God has planned it. He has programs and plans, and those will come to pass. You can count on it. There will be 
a return of Jesus Christ to reign on David's throne, which is in Jerusalem. Revelation chapter 20 tells us that he'll rule for 1,000 years. And following that, all the dead will be raised and there will be a judgment. A judgment for those who have not believed in the Son of God. Now, God is going to do all this without help from us and in his own time, which he has not yet revealed to mankind. If you haven't believed in Christ for your complete salvation, the thought of Christ sitting and waiting should strike terror in your heart. That's what it did to the Jews in Acts chapter 2 when Peter quoted from Psalm 110. It says, when the people heard this, They were cut to the heart and said, Brothers, what shall we do? They realized that they were Jesus Christ's enemies and that he is the Son of God who was resurrected. They had rejected and crucified the Lord of glory and would have to face him someday. How terrible to face the judge that you had crucified. So it is in Hebrews 9.27. So it is appointed unto men to die once, and after that comes judgment. Now we move on to verse 14. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Do you realize that when you trusted in Christ for salvation, you were perfected forever? That's what the writer is telling us, and these are the inspired words of God through the writer to the Hebrews. These are God's words, and they are recorded in heaven. The Bible promises no temporary perfection. Eternal life is not being put on probation. Eternal life is receiving the life of Jesus Christ, which is eternal, and having all obstacles removed from the future that might separate us from God. One reason we know we have been perfected forever is that sacrifices have stopped. One sacrifice did it. He became sin for us, and we received his righteousness in return. Isn't that what Paul wrote to the Corinthians? Listen to it in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. After that kind of a verse, the believer can say with Paul, I do not have a righteousness of my own based on law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Is there a righteousness that God gives? Can we receive a righteousness apart from what we do? Not many people understand this. But that's what the good news is all about. Listen to Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God, of God, has been manifested apart from law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. You see, righteousness is a gift from God. He gives it to those who would dare to believe in his wonderful Son. That's God's plan of salvation. 
Most of us were taught that we had to be righteous, and if we were good enough, perhaps we could make it to heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that. We have been misled by religion. Religion tells people what to do. The Bible tells men what to receive as a gift. Eternal life is said to be the gift of God, and God's righteousness is given to everyone who believes. Now we move on to verse 14. What does he mean by sanctified? For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. The word sanctified means to be set apart by God. Now I have a question. Would God set you apart from the world if you were not perfected? How could he? You would be just like all other people. But the fact is... When we believed in Christ to save us forever from our sins, we were set apart and we were perfected. After all, Jesus is the perfect one and anything he does for us is perfection. Friends, give God thanks and rejoice in it. Is it possible to have faith that is useless? It is. It is often said it doesn't matter what you believe. As long as you are sincere, have faith in something, and God will honor this. Friends, this is nonsense. The only kind of faith that saves is the faith that has the right object, and God has determined what that object is. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Our free booklet, entitled Heaven's Password, will teach you more about faith. It's free. Till tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.